Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. God have mercy for my enemies, because I won't. Welcome to Ridiculous History. My name is Ben. That is a quote by George S. Patton Jr. My name is Noel, and that was a very grizzled sounding impression there. I liked it very much. Is that what he sounded like? I mean, he's he's living life in in the middle of wars, man. That's that's like a war voice. He is known as one of the most grizzled generals, as portrayed by uh, what is it, George C. Scott? You got it. Yeah, Casey on the case. That Casey on the case is a nod to our super producer, Casey Pegram. That was a nice doubling up of those moments there, Ben. I really like that. So who was General Patton, Ben? Great question. Uh, In addition to being the main character of today's strange, uh, ridiculous anecdote, George Smith Patton Jr. was a general of the U.S. Army who commanded the 7th Army in World War II, the 3rd Army in France and Germany after D-Day, the Allied invasion of Normandy in June of 1944. He also makes an appearance in one of my favorite graphic novel series, Uber, uh, which I highly recommend checking out if you are a World War II buff, if you're a sci-fi buff, if you just like good stories. He was born into a family with a a very storied military background, both in the U.S. Army and in the late Confederate Army. He went to West Point. He studied fencing. He even designed the M1913 Cavalry Saber, more commonly known as the Patent Saber today. 
Fun fact about him, he competed in the 1912 Summer Olympics. I know, it's true. He was a triathlete, or excuse me, a pentathlete, Mm -hmm. swimming, riding, fencing, running, and shooting. Man, that is a real uh, pentuple threat. Yes, yeah. I mean, forget about Broadway, right? What do they have, just triple threats? That's right. No, it's true. This was in the 1912 Olympic Games in Stockholm. What a guy. And on his way up to all of these accolades that was later were later to come for uh, Patton, he was one of the inaugural members of the first ever United States Tank Corps established in 1917. So he thought he would see more action with these newly invented armored vehicles than he would if he had just stayed with the infantry. And before the year had passed, 1917, Patton becomes a colonel and he's sent to France and he's ordered to find a good location in France to train people in the use of tanks. He finds a village named Borg, B-O-U-R-G, and he says, you know what, this will do, that'll do, pig, because it has so much mud that they can practice driving in. It's true. It turns out that Borg's uh, primary exports are uh, fish and mud. Oh, is that is that true? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, how, how, why are we, why are we mentioning the the village and we we didn't even check with you Casey what can can you illuminate the francophone perspective on this village Borg well Borg is like a generic kind of um, word that you see in lots of city names like Luxembourg or something oh. um, it's like Pittsburgh that we see here in America uh, but it just means basically it's like a, a village that's on the larger side and uh, features markets and you know would be sort of a meeting place or a, a trading place for other smaller villages nearby. So that's a Borg. But this one is just called Borg, so they didn't bother specifying anything more, you know, precise, just Borg. So know. it's like a town named Town? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Casey on the case. So... Uh, seems like a little bit of an uncreative berg, Borg here, uh, but, you know, that makes sense why they would be so lousy with fish and mud. Uh, but not a bad place to train tank- tanksmen. What do you call a tank? A tanker? Where where are the fish coming from? I don't know. Just my imagination. Okay. Well, they're along water they're source. They're a little coastal, right? What do you call a tank driver? Pilot. A pilot? No, you don't call them a pilot. You would call them a driver. Okay. The driver drives the tank, but they're not really in charge. They're just steering. They're following orders. Yes, they have a professional backseat driver called the commander, and they're in charge of the whole tank. Ooh, that's got to get a little bit awkward sometimes, a professional backseat driver. Well, yeah, they. but they're also in charge of telling the gunner and the loader what to do and communicating with the okay, rest of Okay, so you got they're a gunner. They're not just sitting there. You got a gunner, a loader, a driver, and a commander. So mm-hmm. it's a four-person team in one of these things. Yes, or three if there's an auto loader installed because the then the loader doesn't need to be there. They would just be watching the auto loader. But back to Patton, back to the Borg. Uh, <laughs> no relation to the Borg from Star Trek. Which, you must assimilate. Which I love. Yeah. You remember when... Uh, Picard gets taken by the Borg and turns into Locutus. He gets Borged. Mm-hmm. You could tell he had some heft behind the scenes at that point because his face wasn't really covered the way all the other Borg mm-hmm. were. He just got a little dealy bop on his uh, one of his temples. That's right. A little uh, laser. He was like a, a high-ranking Borg. Yes. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, I think they even made a film about it. Man, I forgot. I wonder if the Borg aged well. I used to love the idea when I was a kid. 
But that's a story for another day. Today's story still has us talking with Patton. He's found the perfect place to create his tank training school. And while he's there, something very strange happens. The mayor of Borg comes to Patton, and he is weeping, this mayor. Openly. Openly, because he feels terrible. I forgot to tell you, Colonel, he says to Patton, that there is an American soldier, one of your countrymen, who has died in this, our small town. So Patton, like in a frenzy, he's like, oh, man, have I lost someone? Am I one man down? And he looks through his ranks and finds that that is not the case. But the mayor says, no, no, there's definitely been a dead soldier uh, that was left behind here. And there's a soldier's grave. I'm confused about this relationship here. What is he talking about? Why is he he's saying there's a dead soldier that is from your company, a dead soldier from a previous engagement here? A dead American soldier. Right, excuse me, that's what I mean, right. Not necessarily as specific as from your crew that you're taking to train in tankery. He's alluding to other, uh, some other group of soldiers that passed by. Gotcha. And he feels like he needs to inform them. Uh, but Patton, as you said, Noel, he checks through. He says, well, all of my people are fine. And the mayor insists, no, no, look, will you at least go visit this guy's grave? We should also mention that Borg is a really small town. And like some other small towns in France, uh, Borg's population declined considerably during World War One and Two. So this is this is a very small place. And the mayor takes Patton to this gravesite, to this quote unquote gravesite. Right. There's a mound of dirt. There's a stick posted in the ground at one end and nailed crosswise on that stick, such that it forms a, a, a rustic looking cross like you'd see on a grave. Sure, is another piece of wood, and it has what perhaps the the mayor thought was the name of the fallen soldier. It's, an, it's a strange name. It's not a very common name, I would say, then or now for a person. The name is Abandoned Rear. Mm, conjures so much imagery. So you've got the mud, then stacked on top of the mud, you got a pile of dirt, then shoved into the dirt, you got a stick, and then on the stick, there's a sign that says abandoned rear. Um, and yeah, and the, and the French uh, mayor had apparently made a little bit of a goof and, and thought this sign was across, like you said. I don't know. How, do we keep spinning this yarn, Ben, before we do the big reveal? Or how, how, do, we, how do we do this? Let's set the seat just a little yeah. bit. Oh, good call. Because Patton's reading this. And, uh, you know, he he has probably never heard of someone with that name. And we can only speculate, my friends. We can only imagine, hopefully, optimistically, that the French mayor is, is kind of weeping, you know, by this very straight-laced, somewhat bellicose officer and then saying, like, oh, can you imagine the life he could have led, the inhumanity, the inhumanity of war? He was but a youth, a child. Oh, abandoned rear. Yeah, the French are known as being somewhat emotional uh, individuals, right? You know, they, they like to weep openly while eating cheese and drinking tiny cups of coffee. Ooh, watch out. We have a lot of French listeners. I'm just kidding, French <laughs> listeners. Goodness gracious. We don't want to get the La Bouche contingent. Hey, look, Americans yeah. uh, only eat cheeseburgers and drink large Big Gulp uh, Coca-Colas and— um, what else do we do? We ride segways <laughs> everywhere we go. No, I don't know. I'm just trying to stereotype everyone. That's going to be my new thing I'm going to do on the show. That's your new thing? Mm-hmm.
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it so uh the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. So what happened? What happened? What Could you tell us the story of abandoned rear, Noel? How did this, how did this uh, grave come to pass? 
Oh, well, he certainly made a grave mistake in identifying this uh, this spot as a grave because, as it turns out, the mayor had made a terrible decision. It wasn't a grave at all, but it was a, a latrine, a potty, a uh, privy. Yes, a toilet. Uh, the, this latrine was dug in the woods. It's It's a very common part of camp hygiene to bury your, you know, your leavings. I went to camp hygiene when I was a kid. It was great. They taught you how to like brush your teeth and put on deodorant and just stay nice and fresh. Like is the bit you went to a place named Camp Hygiene? I went Hygiene? to Camp Hygiene. Yes. Oh, okay. Is that a real thing? Uh, no. Oh, okay. It's kind of like space camp, but it's Camp Hygiene. Oh, I see. Man, where they teach yeah, yeah. you good hygiene. Oh, man. Space camp. I know, dude. I really did go to space camp. I know you did. <laughs> I went to space camp as well, Casey. Oh. Which one did you go to? Huntsville. Yeah, I yeah. went to I went to Huntsville as well. Matt also went to space camp from our other show. I have not been to space camp, only camp hygiene. I feel like you didn't miss very much, Noel. Really? Did, yeah. did, you, did you do the gyroscope? I love the gyroscope. Did yeah. the gyroscope, you do the moonwalk, uh, which is way cooler than the Michael Jackson moonwalk. I w- moderately cooler than the Michael Jackson moonwalk. Uh, contrary to what the 80s film would have you believe you don't actually accidentally end up in a space shuttle. But I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah I learned you, a lot. Did you learn how to dig a latrine, Ben? Yeah, I did that in Boy Scouts. Okay, well, that's what I learned in Camp Hygiene. And that's what they were looking at that they thought was a grave, but it yeah. was, in fact. What does abandoned rear mean? Does that mean we've—I don't understand. What is abandoned rear? That's just what someone used to describe their their leavings or their latrine. Here's the thing. People find out about this story in Patton's uh, autobiographical accounts, which he drew from his diary entries. And he says that the French, when they had taken this newly dug latrine for a cross, it wasn't old. It was a freshly dug latrine. He decided not to tell them the truth. So he just let it ride or let it roll, I should say, as he was into tanks at the time. And because he didn't tell the residents of the town the truth about this spot, but what do you think happened? Did they just keep up with the grave? Because, you know, you wouldn't desecrate a grave. No, and they had been up to that point. They had been maintaining it. Right, right. And since he didn't tell them, we can only, we can only assume that they didn't randomly decide to desecrate this grave. And now we come into a question of authenticity, because the only record of this story is the general's autobiography, and this was incomplete at the time of his passing in 1945. We have, we have some questions, though. We have some questions, and we want to hear what you all think. Uh, if you don't have a knowledge of French or English names, then maybe, you know, like maybe you could assume the French mayor thought abandoned rear was a name that would be common in the U.S. But the problem with that is that the word abandon means the same thing in both French and English. Isn't that right, Casey? Abandonné, yeah. Yeah, Casey on the case. So maybe he thought abandoned was a rank in the army? Ah, that makes sense, sure. Or like a defector of some kind? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like a coward's death. Right. And yet they still treated it with such with, with the utmost respect. Um, Didn't it also smell? How much dirt did they put on it? You know how to dig a latrine. You went to camp hygiene. Yeah. There's a science to this, and there are standards. That's right. You got to dig it at least five feet down. 
Uh, and yeah, ha- I don't know. I, okay, I've got to come clean. Um, <laughs> camp hygiene is not a real thing, and I, I've never dug a latrine. You've I've never, never dug. I've, a- I've never even pooped outdoors, dude. Sorry. That you remember? Yeah, that I remember. <laughs> that I remember. Yeah, you're not a camper. You I'm don't not. like to go camping. Well, I mean, I, I, look, I want to be more of a camper. I want to be more of an outdoorsman. I am trying to meet somebody in my uh, private life who's really into that because I tend to, you know, broaden my horizons when I'm when I'm kind of like do what the SO does. Do what the SO does exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I. That's how I accidentally ended up vegetarian for like. A decade. Nice. Nice. Yeah. But I went back. Yeah. I went back. Meat's great. Actually, this is unrelated, but you know, did I ever tell you when I stopped becoming a vegetarian? Well, you you had become one at that point, I assume. Right? I, I had been one for several years, mm-hmm. and then I started eating meat again when I was in Central America. Because where I was living, you know, people are being very gracious, making you dinner or something. And it, yeah. it's very, I think it's very privileged and pretty inconsiderate to tell somebody that's worked very hard on something, especially if they don't have a lot to go around anyway, ben. to be like, mm, I'm too good for this food that's that right. you've lovingly given me. Yeah, so. I've got scruples. I've got, you can't I have scruples so. when it comes to being prepared a nice meal. <sighs> no, no, it's a very good point. You know, it's like, I mean, especially when you're in another country, you're trying to honor customs. It's very, maybe if you don't even speak the language super well, it's really hard to explain this without sounding like a kind of an elitist jerk. Exactly. And maybe this is similar to, see, you thought we weren't going anywhere with this, folks, but this is not just a tangent. Maybe Patton was in a similar situation where he said, uh, because again, this the, the French mayor is preclempt, you know, he's very upset. He's a uh, lacrimose would be a good word for it. So maybe Patton says, it might be awkward for me to explain to this guy that this is clearly not a grave. Yeah. I don't want to upset him even further. That's right. Yeah, I, I think the official term is hole. Or I guess maybe technically like a a trough mm-hmm. or a, a barrow. A trough? Mm-hmm. A barrow implies uh, mobility, though, right? Like a wheelbarrow. Uh, well, one of the old terms for a barrow is a large mound of earth or stones, but that's over the remains of the dead, so I'm probably conflating. You might be. My word, my word of the day I walked away with for this one was lacrimose, I which love is it. a great word. This story doesn't end just there, though. In 1944, during World War II, General Patton returned to Borg, the, as you said, Casey, the town of town, and was given a hero's welcome by the people who remembered him from the last time he was there in 17, 1917. And he relived memories. He went to his old office. He went to where he used to live back when he wasn't a huge deal general. And then he said, wow, in 1944, the village is still respectfully maintaining the grave of abandoned rear. Here's my question, Ben. Yeah. Was it, would it have been more polite and ultimately less humiliating to just tell the guy, tell the townsmen, townspeople, that it was, in fact, that they had made a mistake. So they didn't just keep up this charade for all these low, these many years. What's more humiliating? You know, a moment of embarrassment or a lifetime of, you know, maintaining a latrine as though it were a grave? I would say even further, what if the town of Borg is still doing this? What if he never told them? You don't think they read Snopes and Borg? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, Snopes does have an interesting article on this.
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Oh, there was one last piece of speculation regarding how the mayor could have thought it was a fallen soldier. Maybe the soldiers were in a hurry, and the, the soldier's last name was Rear. That was their surname. And they just abandoned them there. 
And then, so it would be like, you know, the same thing as abandoned Pegram. I still think that's a stretch. I don't know what led the mayor to believe this. And it's not clear whether Patton felt sorry for the mayor or whether he just privately thought it was hilarious. The Snopes article does point out a, a really nice sort of uh, ironic little twist to the story mm-hmm. uh, of abandoned rear right. that involves uh, the general's own battle record. Let's say he was only ever injured in battle once during the Meuse Argonne offensive of September 1918, uh, where he and five other uh, foot soldiers were charging into machine gun fire, and he was the only one that survived. No, actually, four of his companions were killed. One of them was okay. He got hit in the thigh, and this is from his memoir. Quote, it came out just at the crack of my bottom, about two inches to the left of my rectum. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's what he said. Um, The doctor said that, uh, quote, um, he can't see how the bullet went where it did without crippling me for life. He says he could not have run a probe without getting either the hip joint, sciatic nerve, or the big artery, yet none of these were touched. Fate again. I have never had any pain and can walk perfectly. So it makes you, uh, it, makes, it makes me think of that million-dollar injury, the, the way they would describe it in the Vietnam War or something. Like in Forrest Gump, you win the lottery— by getting shot in a way that takes you out of the war zone but doesn't ruin your life. Mm-hmm. I think Forrest also got shot in the keister. In the buttocks. Yeah. Yeah. And he shows it to the to the president in that uh, really pretty well-doctored CGI footage. Yeah, he showed his buttocks to um, Lyndon Johnson, right, I think, because Johnson says he'd like to see his gunshot wound. Oh, also, this goes back to our old episode on uh, what a— terrible person what a real pill lyndon johnson was he had i think he was the president who had a creepy thing for scars yeah maybe so and he also like didn't he get his pants um tailored in a certain way to make room for his bunghole wasn't he into butts as well yeah 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 uh yeah i've got i've got to figure out who that was that's yeah it was lbj i just i just looked at the clip on youtube there's even a reaction shot where forrest kind of shows in the bullet wound and uh LBJ sort of has a great reaction to it. damn, son. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So there you have it. If we were to draw a moral from this story, uh, what what would it be? Is it sometimes that it's the thought that counts? Can we say that? Like they— It's what's inside that counts? Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Because the community of the town thought they were doing the right thing, but what was actually inside was not the— the fallen soldier they were expecting. You know what this makes me think? I would love to hear more about strange monuments, strange statues. There are so many. I have been talking uh, off air with some of my friends before, and I think with you guys as well in the past, about the idea of getting a statue built to yourself. Like, who does that? that, Isn't that something where someone else should build the statue for you? Like, they should spontaneously love your work. Totally. Back when our office was in Buckhead, which is a different neighborhood from where we are currently based, there was a statue for, I believe, the founder of the Peace Corps, which was between our office and the Toys R Us. Did you ever walk that way, Casey? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't remember the Peace Corps guy statue. I remember there's a Michael Stipe. The foxes. Uh, yeah, yeah there are a bunch of foxes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man, we need more statues here. 
I'm a big fan of statues. Me too. Uh, in my hometown, there's a true-to-life James Brown statue because that's where he was born. Um, and, but he appears very short, but apparently is his exact uh, size. It's weird. At my um, at a town where a lot of my family's from, my grandfather actually made tons of the statues around town, like the ones in banks and in airports and stuff like that. I think he made a, some busts of U.S. presidents too, but I don't know if he ever met Lyndon Johnson. I'll have to find out and update if we can find any more weird presidential or patent-esque trivia. In the meantime, let us all take this as a lesson in your neck of the global woods. Uh, If you have a mysterious local monument, uh, do some digging. Maybe not literal. That might be illegal. But do some research and see uh, if it is, in fact, what it purports to be. Agreed. Uh, if you want to tell us some stories about some grave mix-ups, uh, you can write to us at ridiculous at iheartradio.com. Or you can hit us up on our Facebook group, which is The Ridiculous Historians. I think all you have to do is answer a very simple question, which is, who are the hosts of Ridiculous History? It could be me. could be Ben. could be Casey on the case. Or just make us laugh. I mean, if you make me laugh, I'm going to let you in. Yeah, you're in like Flynn. You can also find us as a show and as individuals on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, I am on Twitter as at Ben Bolin HSW, but me and Noel both do Instagram. You can find my various adventures, misadventures, and shenaniganry, which is a word I just made up, on at Ben Bolin. You can find me at How Now Noel Brown. Big, big, big thanks to Ryan Barish, to Gabe Luzier, to Christopher Hasiotis, to you, Noel, and to you, Casey. Oh, thanks, Ben. Thanks to you as well. Uh, thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. And thanks to you, kind, gentle listeners of the internet. Uh, we will see you next time. And thanks to you, Abandoned Rear. Casey, can we play some memorial music for him? For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.